0: Okay, so we are officially live and streaming, and today is March 23rd, it's Wednesday, and this is Reflection Artist Live, episode number 66, and we have special guests with us today, Ian Ramelkamp. Did I say that correctly on your last name?
1: You did, yeah. Right.
0: Okay, I just had to make sure I thought about that for a sec. However, if you don't know Ian, Ian is the owner of Autofiber. Autofiber is, I mean, just an unreal type of approach to microfibers. You know, there's others in the market, but he has 21 years in the business, in the industry. You know, it's a family type scenario where, you know, his dad was involved, which he'll get into. So there's so much that Ian brings to the table on the knowledge of the microfiber towels, that category in general, applicators, you know, that's something we want to dive into with your genius approach to applicators. Um, So Ian, tell me, and thank you, of course, on behalf of Buff and Shine and for joining us but tell me how did you get started in the wonderful world of detailing with all of this and of course bringing to the table microfibers
1: yeah so like you kind of alluded to in the mid 90s and this is when i was in high school uh, my dad started um i don't know i think he like met somebody at a gas station or something uh and those we,
0: tables that were flipped out in front of the doors no and it was speak.
1: just some. like my dad's the kind of guy he was just real personable and talk to everybody everywhere. Entrepreneur. He had had a Mako, a body shop, um, like painting shop in the eighties. So he was kind of familiar with the whole automotive like restoration um, industry in those days. And so he met somebody just randomly. And they, the guy, I don't know if the guy was like importing the towels already. This was before you know, microfiber towels were like 20 bucks a piece. They weren't made in China. I don't even think they were ne- barely just getting started being made in Korea. Most of it was made in Japan. Um, and he was so excited about the product. It was called like the Miracle Cloth or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and it was crazy because he brought it home. And I remember that feeling like you touch it on your hands and it was a weird, like the, the clinginess of it, right? On your fingers. You're and not the used texture. to it. The yeah. texture of it was weird. But he was so excited. And so, you know, he started building a business um, and they were one of the first companies that sold microfiber in the U.S. Um, and kind of the way it took years to kind of get going. One of the original industries that really uh, converted was the automotive and the detailing industry. Um, for uh, All the way back then, I mean, the whole industry is kind of experimental and always changing and testing stuff and trying to find new ways, um, to do it. Uh, and so, you know, he was just building the business and I, you know, I was just a kid, right. So I wasn't really paying attention. I was hanging out with my friends and doing sports and stuff. And I went to college, um, late nineties, graduated 2001. Um, and I knew I wanted to start a business. So I had studied like, uh, this thing called cognitive science, which is kind of like psychology and computer science, but I wanted to, uh, you know, the internet was just starting. So I thought I wanted to create like an internet business, build websites or something. So what I did when I graduated college was I ended up just buying some of the towels from my dad's company and, you know, started selling stuff on eBay, built a website, you know, was was trying to figure out how to do this e-commerce thing. I didn't even know the towels, or detailing was kind of the what I wanted to do it really the direction right yeah. it wasn't really the direction towels are not a very sexy did
0: thing. you have that name autofiber out the gate was that your original name
1: no it wasn't original out the gate um that it it didn't take long to do that and I can kind of get into that um but so really what happened was you know, I was just trying to kind of hustle out there on the internet. Like I was on the forums, the Autopia forum. There was a few other forums. um, And I was kind of just hustling on the forums, trying to get people convinced detailers to buy stuff. And so in 2000,
0: Listen, I got a different towel. I promise it's a miracle towel.
1: Yeah. And so I I did a couple different websites. Um, I did microfiber tech, which some people that have been in the detailing industry probably know from a long time. Um, so that was kind of we were selling just general purpose towels, but then I also was trying to start the Autofiber brand. So if you like, I can go back onto the Wayback Machine on uh, on the internet, and you can see the original Autofiber site from 2003. Um, oh, wow. So that's when I started it. Now the thing is, is it was such the beginning of the whole microfiber in the detailing is, industry. Most detailers didn't understand it or necessarily respected. They were scared of it because it was polyester and not cotton. People were like very into Turkish cotton. Um, I don't know if you remember that. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: diapers and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Diapers.
1: And (laughs) yep. And so with autofiber, I really wanted to create like a brand around it, but I don't, it wasn't, the industry wasn't quite ready for it. And the business really evolved into like a wholesale business is selling to lots of these other um, uh, chemical companies or supplier companies out there. So really, for the first you know 10, 15 years of the business, we really were focused on just wholesaling the products, um, you know, just selling pallets and uh, containers to other companies.
0: Well that's, uh, that's one way of getting it out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So the so we,
0: masses right out the gate. Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't really so much direct to consumers. So the, the auto fiber thing kind of fell off, and we really were trying to just grow the business. And along the lines, I think maybe 2005, my dad had some problems with his business partners, and he came and started. We kind of joined forces, and then it really became a family business where. It was, you know, my mom worked for the business, me, my dad. And then, you know, about 10 years ago, my sister came in and she pretty much runs like the day to day part of the business. My cousin works here. Um, He actually does. We do custom printing on a lot of the towels. And he has he went from working in the warehouse and now he does all the custom printing. So it really is like a very family based business. Um,
0: And you guys are definitely on the on that first wave of introduction
1: yeah well the market
0: of microfiber
1: yeah I mean you really it all was because of my dad we all thought my dad was crazy about it you know being excited about towels now it doesn't seem that crazy like there's some people that are like just crazy freaks about microfiber towels Um, and you can consider me probably one of them too because I spent so much of my time dealing with them but we thought he was just insane, but he was obviously onto something. Um I'm sure and he looks at
0: it now and he's like, yeah, the microfiber I had then compared to what's out now, that's a whole different language compared to what it was then.
1: Yeah. There was only like a few different types. There wasn't all these different weaves. Like this was before waffle weaves came along. Um, and man, I remember when waffle weaves first came along, we thought it was the most amazing thing. So, and now that's just kind of like, you know, and every day version.
0: Yeah. Just another another version version of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. But um, yeah, so the business has just grown. And then over the last kind of like, I guess since 2016 or so, 17 is when I really, you know, decided we needed to build a brand around the products Um, because there's so, you know, the, everything changed from, kind of the market got flooded with a lot of different versions. You know, microfiber became, you know, something where everything was microfiber. And then people start to think, you know, they attach this buzzword to the product and they think that they're all the same. But, yeah. you know, microfiber isn't all the same. There's all different types of uh, qualities and variations. And there's so many different ways to make it to make it work and perform in different um for different purposes and in different circumstances. And then also you, it's easy to make a product that looks or feels almost exactly the same, but doesn't actually perform the same. Um, so sense. the, the idea with, you know, really pushing the auto fiber brand was to kind of set ourselves apart from kind of the, uh, the competition. Cause what happens is, you know, we were selling a bunch of our products direct to, um, a lot of these distributors and then these cheaper knockoff companies would come along and make copies almost exactly of the same products we were selling. And then, uh, there was no brand to like people to recognize, yeah. to, to, to realize, Oh, these are the auto fiber towels, which are actually really good focused on quality. It's not this cheap crap that looks exactly the same, but doesn't perform. That's um, the
0: same thing we have with pads. I mean, if it has the same profile, you know, like with, with, microfiber if it has the same stitch edge has the same low you know uh short high pile design but it's the same color like us we have an orange pad they have an orange pad the consumer it's just an orange pad to them they think it's the same thing
1: yeah there's no way to know and there's no way to like vet it unless you're like a true professional Uh, and that's the difference like with a company like ours our whole business has really been built on our discussions with detailers and professionals and getting feedback, like we have really tried. And I think that's just the success of our business is based upon getting that feedback and adjusting and making the products based upon what our customers are requesting. Um, and so the knockoff company, somebody comes out there and sees a yellow towel with a black edge or whatever, um, and you know just makes it as cheap as possible, you know, it's not going to work the same and it doesn't have that whole history of the of development that we've put into that product.
0: Uh, no, that makes sense. It's same thing with the pads. It's funny. There's a lot of similarities between, you know, microfiber tiles and pads because it's so easy to make them look the same, but obviously performance and everything else behind it is completely different.
1: Yeah. And that's where the brand really makes a difference. So um, I would say that our business has really improved and it's been a great, um, thing for our business to really focus on the branding and um you know the messaging uh, because really man cu- customer service is really important to us, and um, the the other hard part about this too is that and it's the same with Pats too is. And it works this way in the detailing industry because there's no perfect way to do any process, right? There's so yeah. many different approaches to reach the same goal, yep. um, and guys have different techniques and they are using different combinations of products, right? So there's no perfect towel for any one task and one product that's going to work, you know, for one customer isn't going to work for another customer, and that doesn't mean the product's not good. It just means it doesn't fit into their process. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it it's become a lot more complicated um, for the consumer perspective. Uh, But I think this is one of the great things about detailing and why I love the whole industry is just because it's so experimental and it's cutting edge and things are changing all the time. Like just the evolution of this industry over the 21 years that I've been interacting with it is pretty phenomenal. Um, not only just the, the detailers themselves, but the companies all involved. Um, it's just been, it's awesome.
0: So, yeah. And you've been able to see that transition of unity as well. You've seen it go from where everybody's separate on, on one, you know, one manufacturer on this side of the room, the other one over there. And if they cross paths at the bar to go get a drink, they got to report back to their companies to <laughs> 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 so where now we're all in one room, you know, Sitting right next to each other, eating, breaking bread, having fun, having conversations and and no conflicts and no negativity
1: for the most part. It's weird because it feels like at the beginning when I started, and this is kind of like when the whole Internet forum thing was starting. And I think I feel like that's probably when the whole detailing thing really took off because people on these forums were all exchanging information and kind of helping each other. Um, even though everyone was separated and most of these people probably had never met each other and never would meet each other in real life. Um, uh, you know, so there, it seemed like there was, even there was there was a lot of uh, kind of vitriol and anger inside those forums and stuff, there was a lot of camaraderie too, and, and yeah. a lot of kind of teamwork and helping each other. And then it was weird when the whole coding thing happened, like, oh all the teams started like they're, you know, really, the teams came along, you know, from all the different companies. It's like team colors, like gangs. Yeah, it (laughs) was, it was kind of like gang stuff, it was. You red, you pink, you green, what's up? (laughs) It's it's very true. So it became, um, I don't know, it's interesting because I think, you know, the coding was a higher end market. And people were trying to protect territories and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And that's when that that
0: term was actually a thing, territories, right?
1: Yeah. And the The coding
0: companies created that space.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it was kind of like it's kind of like an older model of distribution. Like that's how distribution used to happen when uh before the internet came around, products were distributed and people had territories and stuff like that. And so the problem with that, it's like a clash of Of worlds, right? Because the internet is like open and free, and people are communicating and sharing, and people are selling different stuff. So the territory thing is really hard to implement in the internet world. Uh, So I think that that whole the team gang thing has really been broken down. Yes. Well, Um, and a lot of the companies are, you know, playing fair. I think it's a lot of wasted energy to be out there wasting your energy, worrying about your competition. Um,
0: No, that's where a lot of these, you know, legacy brands uh, have done very well with communicating amongst each other. I mean, you take, you know, Bob, for example, from PNS, you know, he's a prime example of being able to vibe and get along and, and do business with, you know, a lot of different manufacturers and, and it's one of those things where it's very respectable because he's able to set that trend where others are like, oh, okay, and yourself, you know, and it, well, you, you did a podcast just recently or not too long ago with um, Brad Company as well. And, you know, from the outside, the consumers, the detailers, they think it, they see it as, oh, they're two separate brands. But then when they actually see yourself and like the other brand, what they would consider the competitor brand, which really it's not, in the same arena, right, looking for the same goals. Um, but. They see that and they're like, oh, wow, they actually talk and get along. That's cool. And then it gives a whole different perspective. And, and the end user's like, wow, I really like these guys. They're, they're really doing something for the bigger picture, not just for themselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, actually, the way I think about it, being friends with your competitors is actually thinking the bigger picture, um, because yeah. if your competitor becomes your enemy I just don't see the value in that
0: wasted energy. Like you said,
1: yeah, it wastes your energy. And then you just have, it creates more risk in your business. Like I don't need my competitors out here. like attacking me or like sending attack dogs or trying to cancel our business or whatever, for whatever reason. Like, yeah, I'm always going to try to, you know, be respectful and treat them how I want to be treated Um, And lots of times, you know, in the same industry, you know, it's like with towels, like, you know, if my competitor needs something, I want them to come to me and I can help them and maybe they can help me if they need something.
0: Yeah, keep it within the same circle.
1: And I think that that's, you know, there's a huge opportunity actually in detailing as detailing becomes, you know, kind of more specialized across all these different, you know, paint corrections, coatings, you know, even getting into um, film um, and then like the mobile guys and even just straight car washes, like, you know, tint, all these different parts of the business, um, you know, local detailers and service providers really need to uh, network together and they can build their businesses stronger um, by kind of networking with their quote unquote competition. so, that to me is like kind of the future of this business where, oh, yeah, you know, like
0: indirect market share without you having to, you know, take over and strong arm anything. You just join forces. And I think that also puts the, I don't say the little guy, but the knockoff guy in check to be like, oh, crap, they're now bigger and better. Like, how am I going to compete with that?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you kind of almost like have to join the team or the network or the group. And that's one reason why I really like working with the IDA and trying to, um, you know, get involved with the IDA and trying to help make the IDA better. Cause I feel like that is where the IDA can really influence the industry and just make it a lot more of a positive place and just make everybody more successful.
0: Yeah. And there's something to be said in regards to that. Cause you know, we see both sides of it, you know, being members and, playing our roles in the in the association. But you do get the, you know, the detailers within the detail community like, oh, I don't want to, I don't do this and that. And they, they throw shade on it, but they also are asking for change. So it's one of those things I always tell people, listen, for those that are asking for change, in order for you to see change, you've got to be part of that. And that's where the engagement aspect happens, it's not just a membership, but just an engagement. You know, forget about the membership aspect and all the bells and whistles that come with that, but just engagement helps hear your voice. So if you do have like you said, there's changes on the forefront that people have and want in the industry. Well, in order for those changes to be done, you've got to be on the forefront and spearhead that and be part of it, not just talking about it. And that's the biggest difference, like you being involved and seeing things and knowing things, especially with 21 years of seeing the transition in this industry. You've got so much knowledge of watching that unfold and being able to help with the new direction, the evolved direction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm very individualistic type of person. I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, I started, wanted, I went to college and, you know, then decided not to stay in academia and I didn't want to get a corporate job. Like I wanted to be my own person. Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot of that, most of the people in detailing, have that same similar philosophy. Like they are individual type people who want to work from themselves. They're hard workers who you know don't want to have a boss.
0: No, Uh, want to be self-made.
1: Self-made, right? And then it it almost kind of an association is kind of kind of contrary to that type of thinking.
0: Yeah. Uh, so for a while, that. like I,
1: at the beginning, I was kind of, I didn't understand the Ida. Why do I need to be a part of these associations? Like, I'm my own thing. I'm going to do what I want. Um, but then I kind of switched to it because there's the, there's the power in the networking um, and just the value of all these other people. Um, like, I think I joined the IDA because I signed up and like, I went to the mobile tech expo. and decided to get a booth. This was like five or six years ago. Um, how, how long ago were you the president? How many years ago? Was Eighteen. That? Eighteen. So four years now. Jeez. Four years. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that maybe that was when I ended up joining. Because I feel like one of the first times I was at the IDA meeting was when you were the president, or maybe you were being uh, they were like inaugurating you as the president, and just the I was very impressed by the whole, like, the vibe of the whole feeling and the camaraderie of it. So, because w- what had ended up happening, you know, I got a booth for Autofiber and Prentice came to my booth and he was like, hey, you know, you should join the IDA. And um, we started talking about it. And when he told me how much it cost, I was like, man, how, this is ridiculous. It's like nothing for a supplier. It was like four or five hundred bucks for for a year for a supplier to support this and I was hey you know whatever and he was like I'll come to the meeting right and then that was the meeting I'm pretty sure that was the meeting when um when you were inaug- inaugurated and it was man it was the vibe was amazing and every time it's just man the love in that room is awesome
0: it was nice to see and feel that again this year too especially with these past couple of years craziness
1: yeah so you guys really did Convert me into a believer. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We and, and welcomed so, you with open arms. We yeah, knew you so, had a,
0: a lot of fiber knowledge. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, and now, like, I spend, you know, a few hours every month working on it. Like, there's board meetings and then there's meetings and committees and stuff like that. Um, and it's actually, it's a, there's another selfish reason for it, you know, being you know, is that I am the boss of my business and I'm individualistic. Now I get to work in another organization and kind of learn like a more bureaucratic system and working with all these different people with different interests. Um, yeah. So from my own personal development and skill level, um, actually working in the IDA and kind of helping, you know, face the challenges I think has made me better at business.
0: hundred um, percent, 110%. Yeah. I feel the same exact way as you do. It's like, there's so much to learn because you have so many, so many major players at that table. I mean, when, when I was involved, I mean, you've got, when I joined and I was on the board since 2017, but just meeting people like Dan from Z bar and, you know, Tom from, from uh, Simon Eyes, you know, these big, big companies that are just multi layer, multi level companies across the US and some and international. And the, and the education that they have, but the knowledge on business, you know, the things that they do and the way that they have a way of doing things is it's a great learning experience. So it definitely gives you insight on something that you may have not been able to see immediately or maybe long-term with another scenario, but at least it gives that to you and that opportunity. And that's great for those, like you said, who are individualists who want to build themselves up. And that's just an extra little golden nugget that you get along the ride.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really amazing. It's not something that I would have really even thought was real um, before being involved, but, you know, because the real, I mean, people say they want to get involved and really I do want to get involved to help the industry, right? Because if the industry grows and detailers are better, you know, they're going to be more successful and they're going to buy more of my products. Um, But the, I mean, the real benefit to me is just how much I learned working with all these professionals and people who um, just are a lot more experienced than me. Even though I've been running my business for 20 years, like I honestly feel like I've been failing for 20 years, right? So, um, and I'm just constantly learning and, um, you know, man, the IDA has been one of the better decisions I made. Um, so.
0: Good deal. Right. Now, just going back a little bit, what
1: what's the story or
0: when did you get that epiphany for Auto fiber or just microfibers in general really hitting a home run with the detail industry. Where, where did you see that transition? Where did you pick up on it? I don't know if you can remember it or if there's a story that backs it, but I'm just curious you, to know how that all transpired.
1: You know, I think it had to have happened, like, in those forums, like trying to just to sell towels, right? So I had, I, I just wanted to start a business, I bought cases of towels for my dad's company. And I was trying to, it was kind of like a hustling, like I was hustling on the internet really. And then you, d- you get into these forums, you know, the Autopia forum. And so what ended up happening, um, pretty much my original customer ended up being David Bynan, who had started Autopia, um, way back. I mean, he had started, he probably started it in 2000, 2001 or yep. whatever. Um, and so he he lived in San Diego. I'm in San Diego, um, and he was kind of innovative on the internet and stuff like that. And I was interested in all that stuff because of my background in school or whatever, and just what I wanted to start. It intrigued you. It was intriguing. Yeah. Yes. And so he became like uh, we kind of worked on products and developed some products together. Um, so he became kind of like the original, you know, wholesale customer of the business. But it wasn't that long after. He kind of ended up selling everything to to Auto Geek. I think that probably 2008 or 2009, like right after the financial crisis. Um, So, man, it it was a starting off like in my early 20s. It was a long like growth period. Like the business took a long time to build. um, And it just there was a lot of friction whereas now it's so much easier to sell stuff on the internet and the detailing industry really has expanded oh yeah but yeah I think my to answer the question it was somehow you know in those conversations with David Bynon who was you know do, kind of doing the same thing but he was doing it all across you know all of the um, product lines not just microfiber
0: Gotcha. So that was the, that was the help, the helpful boost. Yeah. just That networking aspect that allowed you to be able to get in front of an audience that took interest because they sound, they found it to be a solution to a lot of problems and a great tool in their arsenal.
1: Yeah. The interesting thing about him is he kind of left the industry, um, because he thought that it was starting on a downtrend. Like he had told me when he was selling the business and getting out, he had told me, um, you know, the Google, you tracking the Google trends and the keyword searches are going down. And this is like, God, it had to be 2009, 2010. Uh, and he, um, he said that the industry was just kind of going away and he couldn't have been more wrong. Right. Cause this is right. You yeah. know, ceramic coatings were right around the corner. And yep. then the whole, like it, the business even exploded even more um, into the future.
0: I think it was more of a time that was in limbo and maybe the language that he once read was no longer that language and because he wasn't seeing it that way from his perspective it probably made it seem as if it was dying when really it was speaking a different language he didn't understand because it was in transition
1: yeah maybe i you know i don't really know
0: no it's just thinking about it in perspective but that that would be the that'd be the 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 most professional way of thinking
1: about it yeah well that's one thing like to me i have been sidetracked so many times trying to think about the big picture of stuff rather than just focusing on the details and you know you know kind of following what i you know it's hard to try to predict the future of the industry
0: yeah
1: Um, but i think we also have like we can also kind of direct the future of the industry um, also. So, uh, and I think podcasts like this are one of the better ways to do that.
0: Yeah, and that, you know, with this whole pandemic, that's what started us doing the podcast. We were just trying to figure out a way to, you know, one, stay relevant in the market with content when you can't go to shows and events or do anything and you're kind of considered locked into your house at that point in time, right? That first year got to be creative and think outside the box. And, you know, uh, you know, what inspired me was Rennie when he was doing this, I was like, that's a perfect way to still keep everything alive with, you know, being able to keep relevant content and communication and just putting good content out. And what people want is they want to, you know, they don't get to go to shows. So how are you going to get to learn to know somebody or get to meet somebody and way, why not do this virtually, you know, and that way someone like myself could ask a bunch of questions and, sit around and hang out and talk to friends and people get to listen to it and realize that we're real people and as organic as can be and natural. so I like it no and i I, I don't get the opportunity to listen to others podcasts but I, I I strongly respect and believe that it definitely helps our industry like you said
1: hugely. Yeah, yeah, I think it's amazing just to hear all these different voices in the industry. Uh, and like you said, the shows, cause man, the trade shows are, even though they're a lot of work and they're stressful and they make you crazy tired, um, it's one of the most important parts of the business because a lot of people become your friends. Right. Um, and it's, it's a lot more difficult to become friends over a podcast or zoom or, you know, even over the phone or texting. Um, So, you know, meeting up with people, man, mobile tech was, I think that was the best trade show I've been to yet. The one that we just had. Yeah. Um, And that was because it'd been so long since we'd since seen so many of our friends. Um, Yeah, it was nice for sure.
0: Now you have obviously, you know, with, with growing and going from a couple towels to a whole assortment and a whole spectrum of all types of things with quite a few patents to follow. But, you know, for me, I want to talk about the most popular one, I think, is the Saver applicator. Now, tell me how, the backstory on how that happened, because that right there with you bringing that to the market and and owning it and patenting it. And it, it, it's so simple, but yet so badass and it works and it's like the go to. So tell me how that happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, so really, I mean, man, we've been selling microfiber Applicators for 15 years, right? So since long before ceramic coatings came around. Yeah. And it was a good product, right? It was for like, you know, whack, people use them for wax application or all
0: sorts of things, yeah. All,
1: yeah, all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, but then when the ceramic coating started coming around, people were just using the suede cloth with the um little foam block.
0: Yeah. And we just started
1: okay. we started getting calls like every day, people. First of all, asking if they could use our applicators of ceramic coatings, which you know seemed to be okay. So, you know, uh, but then people would come back and be like, "Man, these things are just soaking up so much of the product. The product's so expensive. These bottles are a couple hundred bucks. Like, you know, I feel like it's just stealing all of our pro- product." And so it was just something over and over again. And this is what it is for so many different products in this industry. We just get customers asking us or, you know, telling us the problem. Uh, and so it took a while, you know, to kind of figure out the solution. Um, I tried all different types of stuff. Like we tried putting uh, like uh, removable glue, like tape um, to make uh, uh, the sheet, like glue onto the applicator. And we tried di- foams that didn't absorb. Um, but really, what we ended up doing was just kind of gluing like a plastic tieback layer to the back of the microfiber, and then wrapping it around the sponge. Um, and so, yeah, it really did kind of end up solving. And so, the interesting thing was there was already guys in the industry who were kind of solving the problem. There was another guy that I met at one of these trade shows, kind of like around the time that I was coming out with the applicator. He's like, "Oh man, let me show you." Um, Kevin Awalt, I don't know if you guys know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so he's he, up he was, in uh, New York. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it may have been at that same trade show. Um, he, he wanted to show me like this, what he does with his applicator. So what he did, he would take apart one of the applicators, wrap it in a plastic bag, then wrap it in a microfiber towel. And he was like, we got to, you know, this is how I do my coatings. It saves so much product. And it was amazing because I had already started production on, our saver applicator. So I was like, man, right when I get home, I'm gonna send you a sample. And so, you know, I got home from the trade show, sent him samples of the product, and he's like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is like, you gotta make this. And I was like, it's coming. So yeah, it, it was an idea that I think other people were working on. I think that's just how these ideas come along, right? People um, are all trying to save, solve the same problem, and I was in kind of just the unique position to where. I had the ability and I had been spending time and hearing kind of the messaging from the customers. Um, and so, you know, we just keep trying to develop the product too. So we've come out with different sizes and shapes and now we have one, um, where it's just like a sheet, um, more like, uh, and then it Velcro's on to the I've applicator. That, so yeah. you're, so you're not wasting as much of the, um, not throwing away foam every time, and it can be a little bit more cost-effective. Uh, and what, then, have you,
0: what have you heard, not to interrupt you, but what have you heard from your uh, all the customers and everybody talking to you when people utilize those applicators for coding a vehicle, right? And they're done with an applicator. What are some of the other universal applications that they could still use that applicator for? Even though it's shot, we know that there's spent coating on it, but what are some other areas that you've heard people reusing them?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure, guys are using them for um, tire shine application. I think that's the number one that people are doing. And some of these, some people even like cut them apart and take the foam out use the foam for other types of dressing application so, man, you detailers are so um, intuitive and like inquisitive that they will take anything and turn it into something else. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so the ideas and the creativity out there is phenomenal.
0: Yeah. That's why I ask? Um, because I'm sure you've heard it all in regards to that.
1: Oh, it's amazing. And the other crazy thing about it, too, you know, for even for some coatings, the applicators don't work that well. There's some coatings that require like a wet application um, where they actually soak the, the, the applicator in water first and then apply. So actually the barrier layer of the applicator doesn't work. Um, so, and then for different types of coatings, different types of materials work better on the microfiber. So there's actually a lot of Um, And then different size vehicles, you know, RVs, boats, they need different, want different types of stuff. So there's still a lot of different um, innovations and options and possibilities that we can do to make, you know, to evolve this kind of product line over time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That saver applicator from it's, you know, the first original approach, just taking a basic microfiber applicator and turned it to where you are now with the different products that still reflect on that idea. Yeah. that speaks for itself because how innovative it is. But you got a lot of, obviously a lot of different things that you've come to the table with, but that one specifically stands out because that was a game changer for the industry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It it was funny when I first made it and before I even ever sold one, I brought them to a bunch of different coding companies um, and they were very resistant against it.
0: Um, Oh, they can't sell as many coatings. Yeah, yeah, that was
1: the that was the feedback I got. Our product
0: sales will go down because of this damn thing. Yeah, 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 I was was like, oh my
1: god, look at this (laughs) applicator; it saves fifty percent of the product for your customer. And they're like, what? What? You're not speaking (laughs) my language. (laughs) Yeah, and so that was, I was like, all right, you know, it was good that I was shifting away from, not necessarily away from the wholesale factor of the business, but more direct to consumer because. Um, you know the consumer. It was a problem that was going to get solved by somebody if it wasn't us, right? So there was no way I was going to leave that on the table. Um, and so yeah. the good thing from a business perspective is having that idea, you know, attached to our business, and people understand that Autofiber is kind of an innovator in the industry because um, that's kind of how it's been from the beginning, like we've always been kind of on the cutting edge and the front lines of um, bringing these new products um, to market. So
0: now with the lineup that you have, do you still have some new products that you would say that you're working on? I, and you don't have to mention, I'm just saying like with right now, relevantly, is there stuff that you're actually working on to bring the market in the near future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep so yeah, I've got a bunch of different stuff. Um, now it takes years, like, and man, I have so many failed designs. Like I actually, I literally have like racks and racks and racks of like hundreds of different failed products. Um, and I go, I go back to them. It's like a library that I go back to. If I, if there's a new idea or problem that needs to be solved, sometimes there's a like a tangential product that I can apply to something else. Um, But even just for myself, like I just like to tinker with stuff and come up with ideas. And um, so, yeah, we've got glass tools, wheel tools that we're working on, um, but none of them are quite ready for prime time or they're kind of like, we're waiting for the parts to come, you know, through the supply chain. Uh, One of the other better products for us has been the scrub ninja. I don't know if you've um, used. I have, Yeah. 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 I so that use. one, that one is surprisingly, I mean, not really surprisingly because the product works amazing. Um, but, um, and it's, it's a pretty unique product. Um,
0: it's, it's a better and more effective, but yet safe replacement for the traditional
1: dry eraser. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, you know, the, man. So, one product that we sold years and years ago, we were we've been selling those um, melamine sponges, those magic yeah. erasers for years, right? But I've never felt comfortable selling them into the automotive space just because they can cause so much damage. Like they can remove clear coat, or they remove the the coating on leather seats and they can just destroy plastic. Um, So yeah, I, you know, scrub ninja is kind of like a more mild, less aggressive version of that product where a microfiber towel, lots of times can't cut through some of this grime, you know, the scrub ninjas. And it's almost like, it's like a brush in a sponge, Um, but man, that product, we can't keep it in stock because it's just,
0: Yeah. Once I got my hands on one, I was the same way. I was addicted afterwards. I was like, how did I never have this? And it was out a while before I, I picked one up to try it. And then I was just like, oh my gosh, now you have different versions of it, which yep. is really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and that's one thing, it, it, you know, I'm always, we're always trying to experiment, right? So, you know, trying all these different ideas and different shapes and sizes and stuff like that to see what kind of catches with detailers. Um because like we said, there's so many different ways to do the same, you know, to reach the same goal. Yeah. Um, so what one guy likes, somebody else is going to want, you know, something slightly different.
0: Um, yeah. No. And that's, and I would say the other, the other product that that was very innovative, which was so simple too, was just putting numbers on the towel for the coding guys. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The quadrant,
1: <laughs> so yeah, that was another one where we, I, You know, I thought it was a silly idea at first, honestly, but the idea came from, you know, probably, I think within a couple of months, I had gotten like five or six guys just asking me, like, how do I keep track? Like, it was just something that in these conversations, detailers were mentioning over and over again. Like they're losing track of which side of the towel they're using, like, you know, lots of times they'll be coding a car and get a phone call and then they'll throw the towel down and they'll come back and not know. And so these, they're telling multiple guys tell me they're smelling the towel. Like, Oh my God, this is <laughs> yeah. horrible. putting it to their nose to yeah. see which,
0: cause they got gloves on so they can't feel which sides damp. So they're like, yeah. Damp- Oh yeah. I've yes. seen it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we, um, you know, I tried all different kinds of ways. I tried making different colors in the quadrants and then trying, um, you know, different like ways of marking them. Cause a lot of guys also were just marking off the sides with a marker. Yeah. So I thought even launching the product, I was like, man, people, I was kind of worried that people were going to like call us out for being too gimmicky. Um, But it's, man, I've gotten lots of great feedback. and People love the product. I think one place where it really excels is for shops that are trying to implement a standard operating procedure right, who are not only just color coding, but coming up with a very specific process for their employees to follow. Yeah. Um, And I think that that is, you know, with the microfiber and the whole idea with autofiber is to try to, like, get our products to kind of fit into that philosophy of being, you know, systems-based and solving a problem and becoming more efficient. Um, Because they're, like, there is, microfiber is kind of a commodity and there can be a race to the bottom in terms of price. People want cheaper, cheaper, cheaper because it's something they're using, right? But then it becomes to a point where, you know you can actually be costing yourself more by saving money on a cheaper product. Um, yeah, and the, because and, it's taking and, and
0: more time now. Now you're it's taking more, more time
1: versus product. Exactly, and in the opposite realm, we can make a more high quality product that's going to save you time and save you effort, right? It's almost like the flip side of that mentality, which the detailing industry is switching to more and more. Yeah. Um, uh, Guys are, I don't know, there's a lot more sophistication in terms of um, people realizing that their business is a matter of, you know, how much time and effort they can save to provide that value for their customers. And so what we're really doing is trying to innovate tools that are going to help, you know, serve that end.
0: And that's what helps with the growth aspect. Like you said, uh, SOP at a business, you know, is, is great because if you're looking at being able to scale based on growth, then having those tools like that will make it to where that process is more streamlined and, Let's face it, when you've got good tools and a good process with you know as a as a whole with the SOP, there's less likely or less opportunity for liability, less you know, for error. Now, can it still happen? Yes, but it helps that window get smaller for those opportunities.
1: Yeah, not only that, I think one of the biggest pain points for detail businesses is the employee factor, right? Like getting good employees, keeping good employees, because really um it's a pretty technical, you know, skill, and it's easy to make a big mistake, right? So you, and then, you know, it's hard work too. So, you know, keeping your employees happy um, and making it simple for them um, and just having systems, you know, all the successful businesses are creating systems, you know, for their employees to run on.
0: No, that's, that's the biggest thing, like with the the, the trainings that I do offer, uh, perform, whatever, however you want to title it. However, when I have students in front of me, we're doing coatings or even polishing it. I call it proper towel etiquette. Mark Elliott gets on me about it all the time because the way I describe that, because towels you got eight sides you know having all those and whether it's numbered or not numbered it's just paying attention and understanding the management of that towel you know keeping it on the vehicle why because you clean that vehicle you know that that vehicle is surgically clean anywhere else on you on a basket wherever it may be in the shop is not as guaranteed to be surgically clean like you did that vehicle so it's like it's little things like that watching your towel but keeping an eye on it and that process by doing that having that proper towel etiquette making sure that you put literally you put your towel on a pedestal Makes a world of a difference. And then the quality, I mean, that is, anybody who does coatings knows that not every towel takes off the coating the same. And for that reason right there is why you should have proper towels, quality towels. Can some of these guys get away with these cheap Kirkland ones that you you, you know what I mean, that we all see online? Yeah, when you're burning through a, a, a coating brand specifically that, that has you uh, removing a lot of material and burning through the towel. I could see where cost this comes into play, but there's still some quality towels that still give you a good price point to accommodate that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And when it comes, like you said, when it comes to the coatings, it, it's not only this coating or the towel, but it's also the environment, like in different environments, different oh. parts of the country, the oh, coatings gosh. work different. So there's so many variables with this. And yeah. so man, it's tough because we get these questions from customers about which one's best or whatever. And my answer is almost always, man, you got to test it with the product you're using, in the environment you're in, um, with the process you're using, and then, you know, figure out which towel works best for you. But man, the towel etiquette thing is so important. And so I used to have to explain to people all the time because people are like, Oh, scratch free microfiber, scratch free or whatever. And I'm like, no, yeah, no. Nothing, yeah. yeah. Nothing scratch free. Like anything can scratch if you rub hard enough or if the towel's contaminated or if the paint is soft or there's so many ways, like you can take the softest towel ever and ruin something if you're doing it incorrectly. Um, so, yeah, man. And then when it comes to, like, even just the folding of the towel thing. And honestly, that came from Mike Phillips. He had a post, you know, on those forums. It may have been the Autopia Forum. And this was probably, like, 2004 or 2005 or something.
0: In his words, he wrote an article on that.
1: Yeah. No, he did. He wrote <laughs> he an did, article on yeah. it. It was funny. At, uh, at the last Mobile Tech, he came by the booth, you know, and I had all those quadrant towels with the numbers out on him and we were, he was asking about the products and I was like, you know, this is your idea, right? Like originally this comes from you, right? You know, cause you know, he was the one that really, you know, was pressing that idea, you know, cause people were just grabbing a towel and yeah. just, you know, no, he bundle blaze, of a towel
0: lays the trail on writing articles for the forums and, and putting so much, so much rich content out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was, it was amazing. Um, and same thing, man. Like Auto Geek, they built their business on amazing content, right? Like yeah, Bob, leading by education. Yeah, Bob just was the best writer of descriptions and articles and stuff like that. Like, um, if I remember correctly, he was actually writing all that content, you know, for the site. You know,
0: I believe in the beginning, and then in the beginning, yeah. And the team built up. To Absolutely, where, yeah. Well, just obviously like anything, those tasks, right? yeah. Those tasks ended up starting becoming other people's tasks. <laughs> yeah.
1: So that was one of the cooler things to um, watch from my perspective was to watch Auto Geek's yeah. growth and expansion. You were right and, there
0: in that beginning stages. Yeah,
1: right there, like just watching it. It was amazing to see because um, they kind of started around the same time we did. Another yeah. company that started around the same time was Adam's Polishes. So to yeah. watch Adam grow you know because i had known him kind of from the beginning
0: uh, i know hearing his story when i had him on the podcast i didn't know much about the backstory oh my god that is an amazing story that is inspiring the way yeah i mean did. he
1: like he yeah. and he hustled hard for it man and the way his business evolved over time um pretty amazing
0: um, it
1: is so now, yeah go go on. no i was just gonna say that i mean the, the, the industry Is awesome. So
0: it is. And I was going to say, to your point with testing towels and testing in general, I have a term. It's called testing is investing, you know, especially as a detailer, right? I mean, obviously, you could get a little bit down the rabbit hole with a lot of different products that are not as useful as others just because you start to go crazy, but put a little bit of money out there to buy a couple things just to challenge those things to make sure that they fit in your business model, your process but testing is invested. You know what I mean? Don't get too crazy with it because those things that R and D will allow you to really dial in your process, your products, everything you need to be successful to make your business the way you want it to and dictate
1: that. Yeah, hundred percent. So I try to look at our business and I think every business is kind of a science experiment, right? You have to constantly be testing. And that's why I said earlier, I was like, man, i I've been failing for 20 years, right? Because I, I've made more bad decisions, you know, than good decisions. Um, but that is just the business philosophy of you know testing and making errors and learning and becoming more efficient over time. If you're not there's, you can always become more efficient. Oh, yeah. Always that you're never perfect because how much thing- how much you
0: want it is the question.
1: Yeah, because the the environment's always changing the world and the business environment, too, is always changing.
0: Yeah. Um, so what you're willing to do or what you're not willing to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, man. I, I love it. So uh, No,
0: it's cool. It's it's why and, and seeing people like yourself who have evolved with and watch that. It's cool being able to see that, you know, not only have you blaze the trail for yourself within the microfiber category, but you've set standards and not only continue to be relevant, but are one of the most relevant in regards to microfiber brands. So all, all those things that, you know, as individuals, you know, you know, your past, you know what it took to get there. Like you said, there was a lot of failure, but at the end of the day, the people on the outside looking in see that you and what you built and the legacy of that brand that you built have been, very successful, and of course, for that, that's why you should be super duper proud of everything you've done. Of course, including your family who has helped you along the way. But
1: yeah, hundred percent. The I brand. Mean, yeah, the interesting thing is, man, I feel like I feel like I'm at like thirty or forty percent of the potential of what we could do. So, like, I just feel like still the sky is the limit. Not only with the detailing industry and with microfiber, but even just you know. Business in general, um, I'm super excited for the future of the business and everybody in the industry. I think that it's on a great um, trajectory.
0: Oh yeah, you still got a long road ahead of you. I mean, for being 25, you're doing good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 42, man. I started when I, I started when I was 21, and so I've actually been doing this for more than half my life. Which is a crazy thing to think about.
0: Yeah, it's become your life.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, 100 yeah, percent Yeah. Same
0: here. Now yeah. we're we're coming up on time. So as far as any words of advice for those that are listening, whether it be, you know, end user distributors, you know, people we've worked with or people just now learning who you are, is there anything that you could put out there that would be helpful?
1: No, I mean, email me anytime, you know, Ian at autofiber.com. Um, and if you have any like ideas or problems, you know, with our products, let me know directly. Cause that really does help evolve our products. Um, and then for sure, come to any of these trade shows, mobile tech, um, uh, SEMA. And then we're going to be going to the Southern detailers conference. Also, um, you know, get involved with the IDA if you can, um, some of the best relationships I've gotten through this industry have been through that. Um, and man, I just say, keep pushing forward. Cause um, and learning. Cause that's, yeah. that's the cornerstone for business. For me, um, it's just always learning and evolving. Like we said, testing, testing, testing. So. Nice. Nice. Well,
0: Cool. Well, Ian, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us and be a guest on the Reflection Artist Live. And having you on is is great because this is, you know, one more podcast that adds to the value for the industry for people being able to get to know you and about the autofiber brand and everything you bring to the table. So thank you.
1: Awesome. And- yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, and thanks for everything you do, man. You're crushing it out there. So I really appreciate you having me on and letting me be involved with this. So
0: yeah, no, for sure, and um, yeah. So Southern Detailers Conference, like you mentioned, that is going to be the first weekend of June, which I believe is the fourth and fifth, which is a Saturday and Sunday. Um, there's that, which is going to be in Kentucky this year, and amazing show. Definitely, you got time to save up to for some plane tickets and hotel to get your butt out there and get in front of the manufacturers, because uh, this will give you time with each of them. You know, whether it be Auto Fiber, Auto Geek. Uh, Buff and Shine, you know, uh, all of us will all be there, a bunch of other great manufacturers as well, but this will give you an opportunity to talk with Ian more or message him, like Ian mentioned, if you have any questions about anything microfiber or what autofiber offers in general. So, Ian, thank you. This is, again, Reflection Artist episode number 66, and everybody who had the opportunity to listen now, thank you, and in the future, on your own time, thank you for taking the time out to listen. So, Have a great rest of your day, Ian. Thank you again. And uh, I'll catch you on the flip side. We'll chat some more.
1: All right. See you in a couple months.
0: All right. Take care, man. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out buffandshine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.